So on this third Sunday of Advent, we are in the eighth chapter of John, looking at this metaphor of light throughout this season. It's a pretty rich metaphor. As we saw in in week one, the Bible begins with this metaphor that God shows up and there is light, the light of God's presence. In week two, last week with uh, Susanna, we looked at Scripture's promise of light, the way in which the ultimate promise of a rescue from darkness and a light that can never be extinguished, that light of relationship with God, is something that is promised all the way throughout Scripture. And today we look at the way in which Jesus calls himself the light, Jesus' assertion that he is the, the light of the world. And John 8 is set in a context of a visit that Jesus makes to the temple and a dialogue that he gets into with those that I call the the religious elites, the chief priests and, and the Pharisees, who kind of wonder if he's not saying something blasphemous. And by the end of the discourse, they're pretty much convinced that he is saying something blasphemous. And yet they can't do anything about it because... As uh, John tells us, the the temple's kind of full of people and they don't want to get in trouble with people. So let's look at just a portion of this discourse, the beginning of that dialogue in verses 12 through 20 in John 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do not do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Now he spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray. Lord, help us to dwell in your light and to find in that warmth and direction and assurance and also the energy we need to be reflectors of that light in our world. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that's been going on in our household is that Marianne has been bitten by the bug of going through old photos. And that I think that happens at different times. You know, I, I wonder what's going to happen when our children, you know, are going through old photos and it's just something about it not it being digitized and not having those papers to kind of file through that make that task a little bit different. But we'll leave that to the future. I don't need to worry about that. Um, 
But as she's going through photos and showing them around and showing them to the kids and showing them to me, one of the things that's happening is that the people who look at them are making comments like our daughter-in-law, Natasha, seeing a picture of me in my 30s and saying, wow, I can see a lot of Justin there. Or ourselves looking at our parents' pictures and saying, wow, we can see ourselves there in in some way. We see a a hint or a reflection in the nose or the chin or the way the eyes are reflecting light. We see ourselves in our parents and then we also see our parents in us as we look at those pictures. And we get a sense where we've come from and get a sense also of where we're going as we look at those pictures. The genetic imprint that we see that proves that we are a part of a story, if you will, uh, an ongoing narrative from which we've taken something and to which we're going to contribute to something, but there is in that longitudinal stream a resemblance, an imprint, a semblance of sameness that we feel in that we're a part of that story, that we're a character in a narrative and a part of a story. In John 8, what Jesus is doing is setting himself in the big story, declaring his place as a character in the narrative of that big story. And it's that big, big story of God's relationship with humanity. And he says to the Pharisees and to the chief priests, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In that sense, what he's saying is that he's, he's light in the sense of illuminating the path of life. And as he says, as the gospel writers later on report, follow me and I'll, I'll show you what life is all about. He's also light in the sense of revelation, not just illumination of the path and our own purpose, but he's light in the sense of revelation. I'll show you who God is, and I'll also show you who you are, who you were created to be, who God created you to be. I'll help you to see where you've come from and where you're going. And essentially what Jesus says in this discourse is, I'll help you to see it because that's something I know about myself. And that's something that I can teach you. I know where I have come from and where I'm going. I know, in other words, to whom I belong and how that determines my path of life. I know who sent me and why I've been sent. I know my father and my father knows me. And of course, at this point, the religious elites are kind of scratching their heads, not sure whether he's talking about a divine father or a, or a human father. They're scratching their heads at what seems to be a kind of confusing sort of circumlocution that you expect from a holy man and not sure what to do with it. And as they begin to pick up a whiff of blasphemy in all of this, They've questioned Jesus further. Where is your father? Who is your father? Go get your father. Show us your father. And Jesus replies, if you knew God, 
you'd know me. If you'd seen me, you'd see my father in me. You'd see the resemblance. You'd behold the relationship. You'd understand where I fit and also where you fit in the story. In short, the religious elites were thinking the way one would expect them to think. They were thinking in human terms. They were thinking religiously, in terms of power and hierarchy and how much higher God is than us. And in human terms, their questions are pretty reasonable. And they say to Jesus, you can't say what you're saying. You can't be who you say you are or speak like you're speaking. You're claiming to be too close to God. You're claiming to be too proximate to God. Maybe even you're claiming to be God. And you can't do that because only God is God. And as my theology professor used to say, True, but not adequate. (laughs) Not the whole truth. But Jesus isn't thinking in terms of power and hierarchy. Jesus isn't thinking in human terms. Jesus isn't thinking in religious terms. He's thinking in terms of relationship. And he says, you know neither me nor my father. For if you knew me, you would know my father also. You could see it. You could see my place in the story. Because that's what's going on. It's this ongoing, eternal story of relationship with your creator. And what's happening here is Jesus is getting at just what Paul and John and the writer of Hebrews would later very overtly state. Stare into the face of Jesus, and the face of the Father will come into view eventually. In the passage we read this morning, because Jesus is the Word made flesh, He's the life, and the life that is the light of all people. As Paul would later say, He's the image of the invisible God, He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. As the writer of Hebrews tells us, he is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. He is that photograph in which you see the face of the Father by looking at the face of the Son. And if you want to know the personality and the purposes of the Father, then look to this one in your midst who reflects his very being. But Jesus is also saying something else here. He's saying something not just about himself, but also about us. He also sheds light on who we are. Look to him also if you want to know who you are and why God made you. And in this way, he holds the whole picture together. Look to this trailblazer, as the writer of Hebrews calls him, this picture of of perfect humanity to this pioneer and perfecter of faith who illustrates and illuminates the path of relationship with the Father. 
Look to this high priest who understands us because he's like us in every way, yet without separation from God, without sin. Like us in every way. Having experienced exactly what we all experience. I was with a small group of pastors that I meet with regularly this past week, and someone mentioned a website that I hadn't heard of. It's called He Gets Us. And I'd encourage you just... Just Google, he gets us, and it'll come up. I think it's sponsored by the same people who produced the program called Alpha, and I don't need to go into the specifics of all of that. But the website he gets us is an illustration of this sentiment that I'm talking about this morning. It's very richly illustrated in this website and also very richly illustrated in in the Gospels, And then explained in the epistles that the word becoming flesh is is God choosing to know us. As Paul says in Philippians, it's, it's God choosing to give up his divine prerogative in order to experience all that his creatures experience. To know us by allowing every pain we know and every joy we can experience to pass through his heart to pursue relationship with us through the empathic work of becoming one of us. And that's what we celebrate as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate that marker of God's choice to enter into the depths of our vulnerability in birth and then later on in the cross and death. We don't just see God and who God is by looking into the face of Christ. We also see who we are as we look into the face of Christ. We look at that picture of where we have come from and where we are going. The light of the world gives us knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. And this is the light that dispels darkness and which darkness can never extinguish. It is the knowledge that we are made by God for relationship with God and nothing can separate us from his love. Let's pray. Lord God, we join with the psalmist in that we too ask that question about why we can't get it together. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. But we also join with this psalmist in the appeal. And we do so because we know that you have shared that darkness with us. And so we pray to you today, O oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead us. Let them bring us to your holy hill and to your dwelling. We thank you that you have made a home in us, in and through your Son. Empower us in that reality of our union with you. And then inspire us and equip us 
to reflect the light that you have shown into us in ways that are steadfast and always renewing, a light that cannot be extinguished. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.